The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, thank you. <laughs> We're going to celebrate that relationship of uh, being able to say that we are your sons and your daughters. Thank you that we can do that. And Lord, would you bring home this truth to us in a way that uh, that truth impacts our lives, I pray. In your name, amen. You may be seated, or please be seated, or something like that. We... Uh, a couple weeks ago, when I started uh, talking about the heart and thinking we want to have a series of messages uh, on the heart, I just uh, remember last week we kind of began going down that uh, that road. But I googled. I just I knew there was a verse in the Bible that said something about uh, that uh, give me your heart or something like that. And I knew that was in Proverbs or Psalms somewhere. So I just started, you know, the old Google. I got there and I typed in give. Uh, your heart or something like that and uh, next thing I knew I was looking at the words to a Demi Lovato song that says give, give your heart a chance I think it's eight or ten years old song and I thought no, that wasn't where I was going so then I typed in there again and I put give me your heart and there's some song I wrote it down because I never heard of the group uh, some a song called or a group called Ottawa has anybody ever heard of this Okay, it, it's like it was all over. Like I got five or diff six different versions of this song that they have that's give me your heart and raise your hands and these people were, well, it had nothing to do with God, but it was <laughs> they were having a good time. I got into that, so I thought, okay, that's not where I want to go. So I typed it uh, in one more time. I cleaned it up a little bit and, and tried to get the right place, and I said, give your heart to God. And I came up with a little headline that says something about the fact that, Con this was a week before last, that Kanye West had given his heart to God and was encouraging others to do the same. Now, I, that's pretty much all I know about that little headline. I don't really know too much about Kanye West, though he is on my eye. No, I'm not just kidding. I don't, I'm not really even, I know who he is, but uh, th that's about it. And, uh, and, and to be honest with you, there's a little bit of a yellow caution flag that comes up when I hear about celebrities and they're sharing about their faith. You say, that, why? Well, there's a lot of situations where in life we've taken people that are brand new to the faith and because they're celebrities we've thrown them up in front of people and it's, it's kind of a dangerous thing to do even the Apostle Paul uh, got saved in Acts chapter 9 but then he doesn't start his ministry really until Acts chapter 13 and there's years in there where God sends him out and prepares him so when you take somebody that's just because they're used to being up front of people and you st stand them up and say, here, tell them about Jesus, it's a little scary. Now, I don't know. I hope, uh, I w I hope things go well for the, the guy, and I hope this is really the truth. But one way or another, he is if he is advising people to give their heart to Jesus, he is giving some good, solid advice. <laughs> that's, and that's where we want to go a little bit as we look at Proverbs chapter 23 today, is uh, digging into that advice because the heart is more than just this little organ that we have that moves the blood around. When we refer to the, art, the heart, we are talking about the command and control center of our lives. And the direction of our heart sets the direction of our lives. And we're actually going to start in the middle of the uh, 23rd chapter of Proverbs here, at verse number 26, and then we're going to move around from that a little bit. But uh, verse number 26 the phrase in there is, my son, give me your heart. Now, this is actually written by the king, 
Solomon, the wise man, to his son. This is his plea to his son. Uh, we're not positive which son it is. The only son of his mentioned by name in the Bible is a guy by the name of Rehoboam, who will later become king too. But, uh, but he, it is not a desperate plea, give me your heart like uh, I need, I need, oh, love me, love me. You know, it's not really like that. This is a father who is very concerned about his son. He sees some things and he says, no, give your heart, I, I, I'm, I'm worried about you, you're going down the wrong path. And uh, we're going to take a little bit of time and, uh, and look through this passage of Scripture to see some of his concerns. Um, this past week, my wife and I got to go to uh, Dallas to go to a conference. Our, our church is connected with Right Now Media. We have a link to that. If, if you all aren't familiar, it's kind of a Christian Netflix is what I call it. But it gives you a, a ton of good stuff. If you're, if you're not sure how to get with that and you'd like to, uh, let us know because we can give you the information. We, we Everybody can hook on for free because we're part of that. But they did a conference in Dallas. My wife and I went to a couple years ago, and then we went back again this year to hear different speakers. It was very good. The only thing is I have, when I go to these things, they do the main sessions, and they're always real good. And then they have these little breakout sessions. I don't know if conferences in every area of life are like that. But I am the world's worst breakout session picker. I don't know why. My wife is looking at the little program, and she sees this thing where this lady is going to talk about Oh, what's that? Something about food. Oh, taste and see, it was called. And she said, look, this lady's going to talk about how we learn different things from food being mentioned in the Bible. I thought, that sounds absolutely terrible. Uh, and, uh, you know, I thought, why in the world would you want to go to that? But she was like, you know, that's what I'm going to. Uh, and she did. And, uh, and she, she came back, and she was all excited. That was so good. You know, I have two pages of notes. Look. Uh, and she's sharing with me, and she's all excited. I picked out one that was, it was about helping the marriages in your church because, yeah, I know, good night, I was, that was solid. So I go to this conference, or this room, first of all, they have an hour, the guy starts five minutes late, and then he takes 35 minutes that he is explaining how terrible marriages are and all the things that go wrong and telling stories of disasters and giving all these stats about all this stuff, and uh, so, so 40 minutes is up. And a guy comes in from the outside and says, hey, we need this room uh, in five minutes. Are you about done? And the guy was like, yeah, I was about done. <laughs> so he goes, I was like, great. I just heard 40 minutes of this is terrible and, and life, life is hard. I walked out of there pretty depressed. I had to go to the next session to get picked up again. Uh, but he spent all his time at the beginning telling you the bad. We've got two sections we're going to look at today. We're going to talk about the idea of a heart that goes astray, and then we're going to talk about the idea of a heart that is set right. We're going to focus on the set right. I want to quickly go through the heart that goes astray, okay, just so we can look at a couple things here, because I think in the verses surrounding this plea that is in verse number 26, my son, give me your heart, we will see some clues as to what leads a heart to go wrong. And one of the things we'll find, if we look back at verse number 17, we will see that one of the things uh, that is an issue is in whom we admire or in whom we put our admiration or the people uh, that we look up to. Because in verse number 17 there, the wise man says, Let not your heart envy sinners. There have been many situations in my life of working often with young people that I have watched them look and feel like if they take the path of following God and giving God their heart that they're going to miss out on something. I, there must be some fun that I'm missing out on, you know, and, and, and just say, you know, I can't, I can't go this road because, you know, uh, uh, it's just too good out there. And, you know, I'm missing out on some things. Um, 
we had an older pastor that used to come and speak to the uh, teenagers that I worked with, and he'd come about once a month, and I think at least every other month he'd say this phrase. He'd say, young people, he said, all that glitters isn't gold. You've heard that expression. All that glitters is not gold. And the life that you see on Access Hollywood and the life now that we see online of somebody that looks so fantastic, be very careful. There, in the, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, the wise man uh, talks about the different things that he tries to find meaning and purpose in life in. He says, I gave myself to fun. I gave myself to education. I gave myself to money. All these things like that. And he said all of that was empty. And eventually, the, there's, there's a verse in chapter 2 where it says he gave his heart to despair. And, and he thought, boy, I'm going to find the answers to life and the purpose and meaning in life away from God. And it didn't work out so well. So... Uh, so he's, he's seeing that this man is admiring the wrong people, that he's um, envying sinners is the, is the terminology the Bible uses, those who are living their life without God, and he's thinking maybe I want to do that too. The second issue that we see in here is it is important how you make decisions, how you decide. Verse number 18 says, Surely there is a future. The young man apparently was living for this day only. And if we make decisions based on short-term comfort rather than long-term consequences, we got a burden. Let me say that again. We're making our decisions based on short-term comfort instead of long-term consequences. There's a great disparity uh, between, uh, if you want to say it like that, two very 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 unequal parts of life that being the life that we have here on this earth and eternity one time I uh, this is four or five years ago I was all excited I had an illustration I don't know if anybody will remember this probably not but I remember it uh, I got this the longest piece of rope that I could find and I had it out in the lobby and during part of the message I went in and I brought it all the way around uh, the building as far as I could go with it and sh showed you and I had the end of the rope taped with red tape and I held it up and I said, you know, I said, I just want you to picture this piece of red tape. Think of that as this part of life that we have here on this earth compared to eternity. And I tried to find that rope because I saved it so I wouldn't have to buy a new one. I couldn't find it because I wanted to do that again. So are you visualizing the rope? Uh, but this little part about the size of my hand is, is all that was taped to say, hey, this is what we have here on this earth compared to eternity. And the wise father says to his son, there is a future. We uh, talk about, sometimes you'll hear politicians talk about, hey, we want to be on the right side of history. Well, more importantly, we want to be on the right side of eternity. And if we're, you know, if we're just living here for just what is today, again, that can be a good thing to live in the day. We're not weighed down by the past. We're not preoccupied with the future, and we're living today. But if, if, we're, if we're just thinking that there is no future and uh, living as if there is no future, we've got a burden. A third thing. Uh, we could say that is an issue here to be considered is in what you invest. I don't know how I already got to that, but somehow me and this thing just do not get along very well. But uh, verse number 23, he makes this statement. He tells his son, buy truth and do not sell it. By wisdom, instruction, and understanding, go after that which is true. He doesn't give. He doesn't say up to this price, whatever the price is, go after it. Whether it means it's going to cost you some friendships, some fame, some money, uh, whatever. Even if it costs you your life, go after truth because you need truth in your life. Because 
Behind every wrong action, there is a pattern of wrong thinking. And behind every wrong behavior, and when I go down the wrong road, it is usually because I have believed a lie. Okay? Now, um, we recently uh, went through the uh, Halloween season, and uh, we get in there a lot of, I'll call it overt evil. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's just kind of out there. You know, you see these clowns. Is there anybody who's not afraid of clowns? I want to know. Uh, but, you know, you're not afraid of clowns? Okay. I am deathly afraid of them. But, uh, the, uh, but you know, you can see these evil clowns and the devil mask and everything like that. And you see all that. And I've I got to tell you, I have absolutely no interest. My wife will occasionally say to me, hey, it's Halloween season. Don't you want to go to the scary movie? No. I have no interest in that whatsoever. Uh, it, but I want you to know that for the most part, evil is not just out there for everybody to see. For the most part, evil doesn't want to be noticed. The best weapon of evil is subtlety. So usually, I mean, I see the clown face or the devil face, I'm running the other, other way, but that's not the approach that the enemy usually takes. What he tries to do is attack us with a whisper, a whisper of something that is not true. He's going to tell us that we're unworthy. He's going to tell us that we're unlovable. He's going to tell us that we're helpless. Uh, and he's going to sneak lies into our lives. And, uh, and keep, listen to this, too, an interesting thing just about our thinking. They say that uh, 80% of the thoughts that people have are negative. Okay, hopefully that's not true of all of us, but they say that overall 80% of the thoughts that we have are negative. And they say 95% of the thoughts that we have are repeated. So in other words, we are ingraining in our mind, you know, setting our minds on a course a lot of times of negative, wrong thinking that gets in there. So the Father says to the Son, go after truth. Get truth, but you know, replace that lie with, with truth. Get that in your life. Because somewhere, if we're behaving wrongly, we're believing something that is a lie, chase after and pursue after truth. Okay, so we see three, three things in there that could be warnings as far as, hey, these are the things that uh, we need to avoid. But in six words, I want you to notice four things that help get our hearts set on the right path. And the first thing that I'd like you to see is from the, uh, again, in verse number 26, the verse I read at the beginning. And I realize this is not so much that God is saying in this passage, my son, give me your heart. But I would like you to kind of visualize that our God says that indeed. Because uh, Jesus said that, you know, the greatest commandment, the thing that will put our life in order more than anything if we follow is that we love him with all our heart. And I want us to just consider that God is asking for our hearts to today. And as we do that, consider first of all those two words, my son. And understand with that, that the first thing we want to think about the fact that, is that there is already an established relationship. For those who have trusted Christ for forgiveness of sins, Jesus says, I've adopted you, I have made you my son, or please put in there, ladies, my daughter. He has called us to be his son, and he has called us to be his daughter. And when we receive his forgiveness, we enter into that relationship. The Bible says before that we could be called enemies, we can be called strangers, we can be called uh, adversaries to God. But, uh, and those people, those that are just simply a slave or simply an enemy, are not going to give their heart to God. But a son in that relationship, when we get a hold of that, will surrender his heart 
or her heart to God. There's a story that uh, many of you have heard of probably from Luke chapter 15 where Jesus told the story of the prodigal son. If you are not familiar very quickly, uh, there is a son that basically follows all the things that we talked about before. <laughs> he wants to live like there is no future. He wants what he wants, and he wants it now, and he goes off, and he spends it like crazy. Okay? He, uh, he, he doesn't quite, uh, you know, follow the instructions that Solomon gave here. I couldn't remember what they were. Oh, okay. He definitely is thinking he's missing out on something. So he charges out and uh, believing the lie that somehow this is going to make him, make him happy, uh, he takes his inheritance, he goes out, he wastes it, and finally he gets to the place, the Bible says he comes to himself where he's like, man, I blew it, that was stupid. And he says, I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to tell him, he gets his plan, he says, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to tell him, I, I want, would you just make me like a hired servant because I'm not worthy to be called your son. And he's going to come back, and he's going to plead with his father in that way. But the Bible says, as, as, God, as his father saw him off in the distance, he ran to him. And the son started his little spiel, and he said, Hey, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me as a hired servant. And you know what the father says? This is my son, and he's back. Let's have a party. And the other son, who's been working all that time, comes to him, and he says, uh, I have served you all these years. And right away, the father turns and says, my son. He turns it around because, you see, if we just see ourselves as a servant, there's no surrender of the heart. But if we get this idea, I love that we sang good, good father, and could focus on that, and, and that God uses us to realize that that is the relationship that he calls us to. I have a friend that uh, whenever he prays, he always begins saying, Father God. Maybe you have heard that. Maybe that is how you pray. But maybe that's something that you want to adopt as a practice to begin your prayers. Well, Father God, let me rem remember that relationship. Because when I have a knowledge of that relationship, it leads to giving a, my heart. The second thing, we saw the two words, my son. The second thing we'll see is an essential priority, which is found in the two words, your heart. The heart really is the key. If you look through this passage, um, look through this chapter of, of Proverbs, there are many temptations that the son will face that are mentioned. The temptation to drunkenness, the temptation to uh, gluttony, the temptation, verse number 27, to um, sexual sins with a, with a prostitute. And um, the key to being able to resist, the best defense against these is giving your heart. Willpower is good and helpful, but it comes up short, okay? It, it, so, you know, so often I didn't mean to, I didn't want to, but this is what I did. And for most of us, we're lacking in that area. Even having up walls or fences to keep us from wrongdoing, they're helpful and they're wise. For example, somebody wants to avoid uh, drunkenness, so he says, I'm going to stay away from drinking, you know, or whatever like that. Or somebody wants to avoid um, uh, you know, the sexual sins, so I'm going to put a screen on, uh, filter on my computer or something like that. Those things are good, and they, they can be helpful. But bottom line, when it comes to the, the, the greatest defense against doing wrong is giving God your heart. There's a story in the book of Genesis, chapter 39, of a young man by the name of Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He went down an incredibly rough road, but through that he continued to be faithful to God. God was faithful to him and elevated him uh, to be basically in charge of a man's house by the name of Potiphar. But Potiphar's wife set her eyes on, J on Joseph, who was apparently a very young, good-looking guy, and said, Hey, buddy, 
<laughs> How about you and me? And, uh, and Joseph said he wasn't going to go that way, but his, his comment and his response is worth noting because here's how he said it. He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? It wasn't, nope, that's bad, can't do that. He said, how can I do this when God has been so faithful to me and when I love him, how can I do this? At uh, the conference I was at this week, I, I wrote down this quote that one person said. He said, you cannot do life for Jesus without doing life with Jesus. First I thought, well, is that absolute? And then I thought, John chapter 15, and said, yeah, that is an absolute. Uh, but uh, it's not about just being the servant. It's not about just being the, the slave. It is about being the son. And it is about then willingly surrendering my heart to him. And that relationship that I have with him is the key to my behavior. Third thing we see in there is the intentional response. Okay. And if we could focus just on the word give. My son, give me your heart. Woody Allen is famous for saying, the heart what, uh, wants what the heart wants. Quoting Kanye West and Woody Allen. Don't get that everywhere. Uh, but the heart wants what the heart wants. So I can't help myself is basically what he's saying. The heart wants what the heart wants, so I can't help myself. Maybe what we need to say is the heart wa wants what the heart wants, so I need to give my heart to God because God will fill my heart. He'll fill my heart with love. He'll fill my heart with peace. He'll fill my heart with joy. He'll fill my heart mostly with himself. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. The verses surrounding that in Ephesians 3 are great to look at later too. But he says he's going to fill us up. You see, in other relationships of life, you know, many times we count on the, the other end, the other person in that relationship to, fill, to keep us filled. I can continue to love you, but I have to have some love back to kind of strengthen me, you know, like that. But God says, I will fill you up. And we are going to be capable of a greater love for our children, a greater love for our spouse, a greater love for people in general when we allow God to fill us up with who he is, with his love, with his peace, with his presence when he fills up. The more we give our hearts to God, the more we will be capable of loving others. The last thing that I want you to notice in that little phrase is a glorious invitation. I want you to think about the idea that we are invited, the, the word me. <laughs> give it to me. Because the truth is, we are going to give our hearts somewhere. As I mentioned in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, the, the man found that he had given his heart over to despair. And that's where some people end up as far as this, this goes. But God says, give your heart to me. How can you? What I mean is this. Here's how, here's how mine goes sometimes. How, how, how can I? I struggle with that. I struggle with just, God, here it is. Uh, we sang about that today quite a bit, actually, about gi giving our, our heart to God. But, uh, but I, I struggle with that because here, here's, here's what happens in my mind. I think to myself, hey, our God is a just God. Okay, we know that, right? God is just. You know what justice means? The bottom line, it's very simple. You get what you deserve. Okay? We think of some justice being executed. That person asked for it. They got it. I know that my God is just. And I know that at my Christian best, I'm a mess. 
I, I hope you I hope you understand what I'm saying there is. You know, when, I, when I'm dotting all my T's, I know that I still ain't all that. So here I know this God that is perfectly just. And at my Christian best, even when I'm playing, you know, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's and playing by the rules, I still am a mess. So how in the world can I trust my heart to this God when I, when I feel like that? When I, when I believe this, this to be true, and, and often I do, I believe that God is going to be mu is much more pleased with a future version of me than he is right now. See, that's not really what the Bible says. What the Bible says is, I have his righteousness when I come to him and trust him for forgiveness. Okay, God's not going to get more pleased with you. You're not going to be more acceptable to him later. Because here's the thing to remember. God has already dealt with all my sin. Man, if you take nothing else, would you remember that? On the cross of Calvary, God has already dealt with all my sin. Justice has been satisfied by God through Jesus for you. And the lie that comes and says, oh, no, wait a minute, God's going to be pleased with you when you do this, this, and this, is out of the pit. And that lie that might keep me from trusting in him. My, uh, my wife is out in Colorado today with... Uh, my son and his son because tomorrow is first birthday for Hosea so she gets to go out there and celebrate yeah give me an oh, first birthday those first birthday parts are so dumb the kid has no idea what's going on and uh, like, like that but uh, but they're that's not why I stayed home but uh, they are kind of goofy I've been to them before uh, and uh, they but anyway you know when when my uh, other grandson was born and they named him Easton I thought well that's a little unique but I've heard that name quite a bit in fact over at Edwardsburg I hear that a couple times on the bus and stuff there's kids named Easton I've never met anybody else named Hosea I mean it's a name you've heard but I've never met anybody it, it's, it's kind of unique uh, kind of unique a little bit I don't know if you know the story of Hosea at all it's it's a it's an interesting story in a little book one of the minor prophets in the Bible I think it's a four chapter book but the story is basically this God says to this prophet by the name of Hosea he says you know what my people uh, they keep giving their heart away to other gods and uh, I want to communicate to them that I still love them. So here's what I want you to do, Hosea. This is the instructions to the prophet. I want you to, I want you to get married. I want you to marry a lady by the name of Gomer. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, that's a name you really don't. I really apologize if your kid is named Gomer. But uh, you got to say first, uh, this, first of all, you know, what do you visualize when you see a woman named Gomer? <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, it's not that great. But you're going to marry this woman named Gomer who is actually a prostitute. I want you to marry her. And the thing is, you're going to marry her and you're going to love her, but she's going to continue to stray away from you. And what I want you to do is continue to forgive her and go back and show her that love again because this is a picture, and don't miss this word, this is a picture of my covenant love for you. My covenant love for you. It is not based on what I do. It's signed, sealed, it's done. God's justice has been satisfied. I can go to him and I can trust him. This glorious invitation is for me to come to him. As my father, leaning, leaning, leaning into and on him, I can give him my heart. We sang these words earlier. The hymn writer wrote, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. I want to give you my heart. 
That's our theme for today. In fact, um, we're going to, in a moment, I'm going to play that song for you again. Um, I left early in the week. We didn't have time to, you know, put together and plan the music. So I had no idea until I got here this morning that we were going to sing that together. I had already put it in the PowerPoint that we would play play that hymn now. And uh, when we get to those words, think about that. uh, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to lead the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. That's what we're going to do. But the other thing that we are going to do today is something that uh, Jesus told the church to do. I want you to do this, and I want you to remember that the price for your sin has been paid. Okay? I want you to remember that that justice of God that demands payment for sin has been satisfied. So... About once a month around here, we take time and we practice, uh, we do this practice here, where we take a piece of bread, and we remember, this is something Jesus told them to do, there's nothing magical in the bread, it's not, it's not anything like that, but we take just a piece of bread, and we t- put it in our mouth, and we remember, Jesus said, take and eat this, and he wants us to remember that his body was broken for us. And he says, and then take, a, take the, the wine. Uh, we just have a little cup of grape juice here to remember that. And you take that cup of grape juice uh, to remember that uh, his blood was shed for us. And as I mentioned, we do this around here about once a month because Jesus said, hey, you need to remember this. You need to understand uh, that uh, the price has been paid. And we remember that the price has been paid, and we focus on it for a few minutes here. So we're going to play that little hymn, and as we do, I want to invite you, whether or not you're a member of our church, here's the the requirement. If you are trusting uh, in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins, you believe that he died for your sins, and you're trusting in that, that's really the only thing, because then you're remembering that Christ died for you. If you would rather not for any reason whatsoever, perhaps there's, there's something else you want to deal with in your life and you'd rather not participate in communion, please don't feel awkward about that at all. This is totally voluntary. Uh, that This is something you like to do. You could just take the time, kind of listen to the words of the song and think about that plea of God to give him your heart. But if you would like to join us in observing the Lord's Supper, uh, I'm going to pray. We're going to start the music. Uh, you can come up here and get for yourself a cup of of juice and wafer, uh, or in this case, it's a little crumbled piece of pita bread, uh, but uh, can take it, take it back, and together we will stop and we'll just take some time to remember that justice has been satisfied in the person of Jesus Christ who laid down his life, a willing offering for us. Our Father, um, more than anything, more than any phrase that I might have stumbled on that was helpful or anything like that, would you take this time as we look to our Savior and look to the cross, would you take this and just use it to convict us, use it to change us, use it to uh, bring us to the place of surrender as far as our hearts are concerned? Would you powerfully use the next few moments as we look to our Savior, in whose name I pray, amen. Wish the story that we looked at with uh, Solomon talking to his son had a happy ending. It didn't. Uh, The Bible says in Chronicles that uh, Rehoboam, the son, uh, did not follow the Lord uh, because it it actually says he did not follow the Lord because he did not set his heart after God. 
God says. He, di he didn't go that way. And then it talks about the fact that he was in and out of war after war. His life was a war zone going on because of the path that he took. You know, I, I say that just as a reminder that the wisest man who ever lived had a son go be a rebel. And our perfect heavenly father has some rebels too. So it, um, I say that might have to be an encouragement to some parents. But... I wanted to take a moment and look to grandpa's advice, we'll call it, okay? Because Solomon's father was a guy by the name of David. And uh, David wrote a couple, he wrote a lot of things about the heart throughout Scripture, but I wanted to show you just a couple of things that he said. In the book of Psalms 139, 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous ways in me and lead me in everlasting way. And I thought maybe we ought to just pray that prayer. Search my heart that we've been talking about today. And secondly, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. God, would you search my heart? Would you clean my heart on this day? Oh, that we might surrender our hearts to him. Uh, two other things I want to mention real quickly. When we do communion, and I remember, which is such a day. Uh, we also do something we call benevolent offering around here. And what that is, there's a, the term actually comes from the book of Acts chapter 4. There's a guy that was called the son of benevolence, Barnabas. Uh, but um, it is, we, we like to keep a fund on hand that uh, can meet needs, especially if somebody gets hit by some unexpected expense many times in the medical area we were able to do that recently in fact the benevolent fund is a little bit in arrears because we thought hey we're having a benevolent offering and we have a chance to help somebody but we like to have some money in a fund like that so when we do communion at the end of the service we have communion plates or uh, offering plates by the door and if you'd like to you know, throw something in to help with that that builds up the benevolent fund in that way and then secondly, just to switch gears for a second, some years we've been able to, or we've done more with this. I confess I, uh, I was out of town this week and I didn't do a great job of planning for this because I, I like to take a moment. Tomorrow is not only my grandson's birthday, it's also Veterans Day. And, uh, you know, we talk, of course, about the ultimate gift of the one who laid his life down for us. But I also want to mention just quickly, I just wanted to give, point out some folks who have been willing to give their, their lives for us. And I know we have some veterans. I saw a couple, two, maybe. There might be more than that. But would you do me a favor, if you are a veteran, if you've served in our military or served now, would you do me a favor and stand? I saw the trails back here, and I know I saw AJ and Mike and uh, Bob. and uh, so. But a anyway, could we take just a second say thank you? All right, that... I realize, I realize that was weak, but we do want you to know that, I mean, not the clapping, I mean, just my effort, uh, but I do want you to know that that is something that we, uh, that we greatly do appreciate. And maybe if you saw where somebody's standing, you could just take a moment and sometimes just a thank you. Do you ever see somebody with a hat, veteran's hat, and you say, hey, thank you for your service? I think that uh, can be a powerful thing just to let them know that we are uh, in appreciation for what they have done. Okay, would you stand with me? And would you... Go out of here singing. Okay, you don't have to be singing that song. Uh, but if you be kind of thinking that, that idea, Lord, here is my heart. I'm missing something. Okay, uh, thank you. Uh, we're, uh, if you could exit out that door and that door, that'd be great. Okay. Was I going to pray? I was. Father, um, thank you. 
Thank you for the uh, reasons to lay down our heart. And thank you for the pathway that that will lead us into. In your name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.